0: Studies show that people who use more cuss words are smarter. If you don't want to listen to us, you're probably dumb. Be advised. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm a queer black feminist
1: scholar. This is Darren, hailing from the mean streets of Anaheim. I'm an introvert, a novelist, and a nerd.
0: We're early 30-somethings with three kids and over a decade of marriage.
1: This is a podcast about the realities of blackness and adult life. We do adult differently.
0: This is That Black Couple. Hello, my dearests. That's plural for dearest. That was a lot. Dearest. That's a lot of them. That's all of the dearest. Grab your green tea. <laughs> no, actually, grab your tequila first. Because tequila is fun, and it makes you fun, and you have fun when you're drinking tequila. But then it gives you a headache. So then you got to have something with caffeine in it to help alleviate the headache after. So grab your tequila with a lime. And some salt on the rim of the glass. But brew some water for your black tea. And all you coffee drinkers who are okay with stunting your growth. And staining the back of your top two front teeth.
1: Wow. Brew the coffee too. It does that. That was rather specific.
0: You never had stains on the back the side of your front two teeth?
1: No. Well,
0: it happens. I'm not making it up. Ask the dental assistant because she told me that coffee, tea, and wine can stain the back of the top two of your front teeth. I don't make stuff up. Whatever you say. Thank you. So, grab all those beverages and have a seat. This is That Black Couple, episode six. We're talking about the problem with open quote relationship goals, close quote. This is Jen. This is Darren. And before we get started, you know I have to always ask y'all for that link juice. Go to Twitter, go to Instagram, find us, that BLK couple on Facebook, that black couple, and on the internets at www.ThatBlackCouple.com. Also, if you are tweeting about the show, if you are sharing something about the show, please use hashtag that black couple.
1: Also, you can find our episodes on Google Play, on Apple iTunes, on Stitcher, and on SoundCloud. Please, 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 please make sure that you rate us high. Leave great comments saying about how great we are. We really appreciate it. We really
0: appreciate that. On today's episode, we're talking about the concept of relationship goals and how it's inherently flawed. On First Things First, we'll talk about the first season of a show called The Black Love Doc which aired on OWN. So if you haven't been able to subscribe to OWN, I don't know if there's other ways that you can see this Black Love Dog, but I'm sure it's out there in the world or you can Google it and read about it. But there were lots of couples on the show, most of them celebrity couples, and it was very interesting. So we'll talk about it on First Things First. On the second segment, the conversation, we'll talk about intimate partner violence in the Black community. And it's kind of weird to have that follow up the first segment, but you'll see the hook. Trust me, you'll see the hook. Last section in reflection, we'll discuss the ways that intimate partner violence has shown up in the lives of our friends and family, and how we've even worked through some of that stuff in the ways that we've interacted with other couples, and the ways that relationship goals sometimes masks those issues, and we kind of romanticize other people's relationships without knowing how the sausage is made. We've written some articles about this stuff at WatercoolerCombos.com. We'll drop all the links in the show notes. Let's
1: go. Lego. So first we are going to talk about relationship goals and how people will put hashtag relationship goals or whatever under pictures of celebrity couples on Instagram or, you know, all those types of of, of tags. And that we have to really kinda of just stop that shit.
0: Why, Darren? Why we gotta stop that shit, Darren?
1: <laughs> well because because when we're saying that something is a relationship goal and we're we're putting people's actual faces on there, we don't know if that's the reality. Right. I think I think the whole concept of relationship goals is to sell a fantasy. Absolutely. It like, is like relationships are all good and golden and there's nothing dark and they're all easy and it's, you know, red carpets and Yeah. And and gourmet food with, with high res A little
0: The little food, food you'd be eating and you still be hungry afterward.
1: Right. And in reality that's not what any relationship is. And if and if a relationship is that, then it's, it's not, not an actual relationship. No, it's not. There's no depth. There's no <laughs> No it's
0: not. No, it's not. <laughs> you
1: know, what they say Joy and pain, sunshine and rain. You got to have all of it. All of it. To really make an actual real strong relationship. I agree. Actually, this was one of those things that that for me just kind of irks me whenever i see anyone say relationship goals and we've had this in our own personal life you know we've been married for over a decade yeah we have three kids you know we're out here trying to make our way yeah scratching and surviving like we like to say
0: don't start this good time stuff there
1: don't do it you're triggering me right now don't do it if you if you don't know what we're talking about Let's catch that, that bonus, bonus episode, episode. <laughs> it'll make a lot of a lot more sense but but i mean we out here in these streets and a lot of people look at us and are like wow you guys have been out here and you're doing it and you're so great and amazing that's my goal, I want to be just like you, Mm-mm. and I'm like, no, you don't that's Mm-mm. what I think that's what we always say the The first thing we say is no, you don't no, you don't because it looks nice, it looks great, but that's not it's what you see is not the entirety of a relationship, right, and it's,
0: it's taken a lot of
1: work, a lot of work a lot of long, a lot of long nights, years of work, a lot of stress, a lot of fights and arguments, yep oh, I mean a lot this... of
0: cussed out family members, <laughs> a lot of cussed out family members, a lot of not invites to the parties. <laughs> You laughing because it's your family. You laughing because <laughs> it's your people. That's why you laughing. Because my family
1: is nice. We had to cuss them out. Listen. Okay. We haven't had to to uninvite anyone. There have been people that have not been invited that showed up from your family. Oh, yes. but yes. yeah, No They're one has been like, disinvited from, yeah. from your family. My, my family is the one that- Your
0: family that has that. been uninvited. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I say all that to say- you know, when you when you look at a relationship, you don't you don't know what's beyond the veil. You, no idea. You don't know what actually goes into, you know, the construction of that relationship. I almost say it's kind of like an iceberg. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, that that iceberg looks so so Beautiful, glorious and it's shining. And there's so much underneath the water that you don't see that's actually holding up right this little small image, this little piece right. that you have access to. Right. And honestly, that's why I really loved Black Love Doc on own. When it an- was announced, I was so excited. I was like, I can't wait to watch this. Right. You know, a whole documentary dedicated to Black Love. It actually debuted at the end of August, and it was really a short season. It was only four episodes. Yeah. So my guess is that there wasn't really a feeling for how successful this was going to be, how big of a deal it was going to be. But it really only took one episode to get those returns and those ratings <laughs> for them to already call for more episodes. So there are more coming. Right. Um, those four will not be where the discussion on Black Love ends. But what I loved about this show was that it was really just a straight documentary of of black couples sitting on a couch, right. talking about their relationships. There were kind of some loose topics. But it was I think the whole point was to say this is what black love is. This is the the joy and this is the pain and this is everything. Sunshine and the rain. Sunshine and rain, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> like like the song we I just said, as as we say in church. But so yeah, it really just talking about what it actually means to be in a relationship and how to sustain a relationship and what, what you actually go through and what you face and how certain people have dealt with certain issues within their relationship. Yeah. I had a couple couples that I liked. I had a couple that I didn't care for too much. But um, <laughs> I think my favorite was was Tia and, and Corey Hardrick. Yeah. I mean, we all know Tia and Tamara from, from Sister Sister. I mean,
0: sister Sister. You know, a lot of
1: us millennials kind of grew up with never them. never
0: knew how much
1: I missed you. <laughs> with Jack A, you know. That show was
0: really not good. If it you wasn't. really think about it, like, it really wasn't a good show. I watched every episode.
1: I mean, a lot of the shows we watched were not, were that not great, good. but we watched. But
0: that one was particularly not great. It was not.
1: I think it's really interesting to see someone like Tia, who, you know, grew up. In the industry very much so, and to now see her still in the industry, married mm-hmm. to someone in the industry, but then also kind of being like a younger couple that's been married for a longer time. Like us. Like us. And I think a lot of, I, I really did identify with a lot of what they said. Yeah. But I also really appreciated that they were a younger couple that had been kind of in the game for a long time. Right. But were very real about the relationship. I don't think at any point in their interviews were they like, oh, it's so great and it's so flowery. No, no, no. And we just, you know, we posed for the gram and we listen. Did... No, they were very much like, this is hard. I don't think
0: T even had a full face of makeup on she didn't She didn't. Tia was like are oh, you coming to my house girl okay this, uh, this under eyelids going to look like how they look every day on Thursday today is a Thursday you get my Thursday look <laughs> I was like I'm here for this I'm here I, for this yeah
1: I mean he had what did he have like he had, a, beanie, like a cap. beanie cap I mean they, it really looked like someone like was going door to door and they said hey Tia and Corey y'all want to do this and said, oh, I said we got time we home and they just I mean and I appreciate it because that's very that's real that's real I feel like when you're at home especially when you got kids and you got careers. And you're working. You got a million things on your schedule. You don't always have time to no, dress don't. it up and perform for the for the. And for that's
0: the one of those relationship goals things. Like relationship goals. When people do that hashtagging stuff, is often people who are dressed the nines, who are out on some red carpet, who have on like Monique Lulie or somebody else who I don't know how to pronounce their name or spell it properly or whatever, and it's like, this is my goal. My goal is to be done up and have all this extra money that I can spend on clothing and not on things that are necessities in my life. And I'm like, no, like I be going outside. I tell people all the time. Sometime I go outside, I look down at my ankle and I'm like, damn, that's ashy, but I can't get to it right now. I'm going to check for that later. Like that's real life. I got three kids. I got PhDs I'm working on. I got bills I got to pay. Sometime these ashy ankles going to have to wait. I live right. in Chicago. It's cold. Things be ashy. They be ashy and I got to work on it when I can get to it. Like, I mean, in relationship goals for me is like, for me, a relationship goal is, do we have food? Oh, I'm winning. Is the mortgage paid? Oh, that's a Really, Hashtag relationship goals. Like, is my car no paid? Oh, hashtag relationship goals. Like, to me, that's a relationship goal. When we can walk in the house and flip a light switch and the, the lights come on and the heat works like that is a relationship to me how i look has nothing to do nothing to do with my relationship right and i feel like Corey and tia like embody that not to say they look like trash they don't yeah they look great they just look like real normal actual people who are not about to head to the oscars right now
1: and the the thing is i I think their look matched it is they're basically like we're here to tell y'all the real right we're not gonna sugarcoat it we're not gonna perform we're not gonna make this a pretty story for you we're gonna say it's hard. We had kids, we thought it was gonna bring us closer. Guess what? It's work. It's hard. <laughs> and we didn't get no sleep. Right. Guess what? I didn't have no money and we had to hold it down together as a couple. And my
0: sandals was, was was busted and she still right. liked me. <laughs> you know, I
1: mean, and that's real life. And and to me, like you're saying, like that's that's kind of a relationship goal to me, is to face the realities together. And I yeah. think that's what they were really strong. Well, no, they about. were my
0: they were definitely my favorite couple too. I, I I liked them. I liked I liked Corey, I think, of all the men because it was they were all heterosexual we'll talk about that in a minute in a minute they were all heterosexual all gender binary all cisgender from what we could tell on Mm. on the show the way that they presented was very much cis heterosexual and gender normative but of all the men on the the series i liked him the most because he was like listen i don't be having my shit together i forget stuff i'm imperfect and Mm. even when i was trying to court tia i knew that I'm I just I had a lot of shit I was working on. So, I was honest with myself about that and I was honest with her and I felt some shame about some of that stuff. Sometimes I didn't have all the money I wanted to give her the things that I wanted to give her and I didn't have the money, you know, to get the wedding that I wanted her to have or whatever. And I I liked that vulnerability and that honesty that he had because I feel like that's one of those things that builds a relationship in really important ways. Because when you can love each other in a paper bag, I really think that you can love each other anywhere. Right. I think if you can love each other when you're eating top ramen, you can love each other when you're eating filet mignon or wagyu beef or whatever the fuck.
1: That's real life.
0: That's real life. You know us. I mean, <laughs> we don't live in some real <laughs> situations. I mean, we didn't caught mice together. Yeah. I mean, I was like, yo, what's with this mouse trap? Oh, we caught a mouse. You know, like we don't been in some situations where we lived. You know, our our places of residence were not not hot. You know what I'm saying? We didn't always have that. We still ain't. We still ain't paid like that. You know, nope. and I mean, I feel like if your relationship is rock solid, you don't have to have hashtag relationship goals because your relationship goal, your hashtag relationship goal, is the actual relationship.
1: Right. And I think the other thing that I liked about that was that in doing that and saying publicly with his wife next to him, Corey saying, "I didn't have all the money, and I right. looked kind of busted, and I felt shame, and I was worried, and I felt you know all these different ways." I think it really put it out into the world that you don't have to fit some type of special mold. You don't have to mortgage yourself to the nth degree so that, you know, you can, you can meet some type of imaginary standard, right? Because even, even when he was broke, even when he wasn't getting all the roles, whenever they, they still had a relationship. They were able to build love and support and trust. Right. Right. And so I think that's a great example to put out for everyone else, which is why I like the documentary to say. Look, just because you're not balling doesn't mean that you're not worthy of love. It doesn't mean that someone won't love you back. It doesn't mean that that not having everything together means there's no way your relationship will work
0: and i think it also subverts a lot of norms about cis hetero masculinity too about how like the man is supposed to take care of all the bills and the man is supposed to pay for all the meals and the man is supposed to blah, blah 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 blah, and all these kind of like ideas that end up being very harmful especially in to like you know and also very classist because a lot of specifically these narratives around like black masculinity that say that Black men are supposed to provide or whatever, but then like if you have, you know, if, you, if you're if you disabled or if you are uh, unemployed or if you are a housing disenfranchised or if you have other kind of like situations that are not really under your control per se that are systemic or that are unanswered by the state in ways that are actually material, that you, you really can't actually provide those things even no matter how no matter how hard you try you know you're not going to be able to actually provide all of those things simultaneously and I think that I like their narrative because it shows that there's sometimes where you just gotta love this dude like you just gotta love this person you just gotta love this woman you just gotta love this gender non-conforming person you have to love this person as they are because that's what that's the thing that's going to carry a relationship Not that wallet, not that job. A job will go. Not that body, because bodies, we know this, anything can happen to our bodies
1: any day of the week. In in or out of your own control.
0: Right. Health is not something that is sustained at all, and it's not guaranteed. And so for me, it's like, I like their narrative because he was subverting a lot of these norms that make it seem like, you know, black men in particular, since he's a, a black man, are you know, supposed to be superheroes and and black women are, are obviously have that narrative narrative as well. And that didn't come up as much in the documentary, which I do think was a gap that they kind of missed yeah. how black women are kind of erased. And I think that's what that's why it happened, because it didn't really talk that much about black women and the unique ways that black women are in these relationships and often are have to be into a backseat because of the black men that they're with. But I do think that in that particular relationship, I liked that they were trying to push back against this idea that the, a good black man, a good in in air quotes black man, is a black man who only provides only provides money, only provides you know uh, capital to a relationship.
1: That's the one expectation. You meet that, and you you made it right. Right. The other couple that I really liked from the documentary was Ashley and Brian Chia. Yeah, and. Part of that is because, really, when you when you look at the landscape of who was who was featured on there, it was really mostly black man, black woman, black man, black woman, and it was nice number one because they were an interracial couple,
0: or a black man and nondescript woman.
1: <laughs> no, n- not nondescript. Well, I guess you could say nondescript. There were a couple of nondescript. There women. were a couple of nondescript. Yeah, yeah. But right, so so Ashley and Brian. Brian is Cambodian American. Yeah. And Ashley was black. Yeah. And so it was nice because in a lot of ways, their story kind of was treading new ground compared to the others because they they had to really deal with race in ways that other couples didn't. And so there were a lot of adversities and things that they had to work through, which I thought was really enlightening to watch on TV I yeah. think for, for us and for everyone else that was watching, yeah, especially talking about brian's family and how in a lot of ways many people were not accepting of her because ashley was black right i think also the i think the other sticking point was also that she had had a child i think at 21 yeah and so there was all you know there was there was their
0: first child their child right
1: their child and so there was before marriage right right? so having a child before marriage right you know dating outside of your race there was a lot of that they had to kind of combat as a couple right and i think in a lot of ways once again kind of being kind of um selfish a little bit, I guess. I kind of identified with that. Absolutely. Knowing in our relationship, where, you know, we got married very young. 21 and 22. 21 and 22, straight out of college, like literally straight out of college. Two weeks later. Two weeks after graduation, getting yeah. married. There was a lot of people who just were naysayers. They said, oh, this is a bad idea. Legit. You know, I mean, I literally had people in the weeks up to my wedding coming up to me and saying, there's still time. Six weeks. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's 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 a lot that we had to fight and, and that's real life. And so, it's, and so to see that real life reflected, yeah. even in something like, like we said with race, that was not something that we had to do within our relationship just the universal nature of of having to fight certain aspects to to make your love win right I i think was great to see
0: they weren't i won't say that they were one of my favorite couples because he was really muted he didn't talk much so i wasn't that impressed with him but she i liked her a lot she was like listen i'm with him and i like how she was like listen i wasn't intending to date outside of my race i love black men I just happened to fall in love with this dude. And that I related to because when I met you, I was like, dude, he's a square and he's corny. <laughs> I love you. Don't come for me. I'm sorry. But I mean, I grew up in Oakland and a lot of people who I had dated, you know, across genders were, you know, they were tatted. They had like go ones or whatever. Dreads. And dreads or, or cornrows, you know, piercings, things like that. And so when I met you, super clean cut, not a tattoo in sight. I was like, wow. What the fuck is wrong with me? I thought something was wrong with me. Because I was like, I thought I had a type. I I legit thought I had a type. And you were just not what I thought was my type. Right. So I, I felt what she was saying when she was like, yo, I was not trying to be out here dating outside my race. That wasn't something I needed to do. I just fell in love with this guy. And so that resonated with me. I did like that about her.
1: Thank you for listening. We are the proud founders of watercoolerconvos.com, a platform at the intersections of blackness, culture, and adulting. We started that black couple to dive deeper into the issues facing young black millennial folks navigating the anti-black, anti-queer, white supremacist world today. This podcast is supported by donations and patronage of our listeners and readers of our blog. You should head over there and check out some of the content when you get a chance.
0: If you would like to become a monthly subscriber or patron and help fund our content, sign up at www.patreon.com forward slash combos Patreon is spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot Please consider giving $5 or $10 per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization. We really want to hire new writers and social media people y'all, but we can't do that without your help. You can also give a one-time donation at www.paypal.me forward slash All donations are welcome. You can stream the show on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing an episode, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope-ass comments. This helps us with our page views and also gives us more listeners for the show. Thank you so much.
1: Let's get back to the show.
0: My other favorite couple was actually Viola Davis and her husband, Julius. Because, first of all,
1: first of all, they're adorable. Like... They're just cute, okay? Yeah, I mean Viola by herself. We all love Viola. Oh my god! I oh mean, god, who doesn't Viola? love Viola? Who
0: doesn't love Viola?
1: Who but then it's love- like you got to think like who who would marry Viola, right? And if you couple with Viola, you got to be legit,
0: right? Right. And so they're talking, and the way she's describing him, I was like, oh, that makes total sense because you Viola always plays this like super crunk person in the movies, so you expect when she talks that she's gonna be like super crunk. But she's not like that. Like, she's actually a very sweet, like, gentle, kind of kind person. And she's like, oh, we went on a date. And he called me. And he's like, you're just so beautiful. And I just love you. And you're just so great. And I was like, oh, my gosh. This is just so adorable. Like, <laughs> this, this is really cute, you know? And I feel like the reason why I liked them was because Viola kept it all the way real. She was like, Yeah, when I met him, my credit was trash.
1: I love what she said when that. she I was love like, that. my
0: credit was jacked up. And I told him my credit was jacked up. And he was like, yeah, it's okay. We'll work it out, baby. You know what? <laughs> I was like, that's some real shit. That's some real shit. I got so many damn school loans. <laughs> I got... You know, we babies. had
1: that conversation. when did. You, you said, I got a lot of loans. I don't know, I don't <laughs> I know how like, is this going to work?
0: <laughs> I was like, babe, um, you want to marry me and everything. But I want you to know, these school loans... <laughs>
1: Like, and, I, and I said just just like Julie said, he's like, well, you know, we'll, we'll we'll work it out. You know, we'll make some money. We'll, we'll figure it, it out. out so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like it's one of those things that you have a conversation about. And I appreciate. I think that's the thing that resonated with me was those couples on the show where it was clear that they were just being real. They were being real with each other. They were being real with the show's documentarians, and they were just being honest about their relationship, and that, to me, is one of those things that subverts this hashtag relationship goals movement, because right. relationship goals hashtagging is not really about the real stuff about being in a relationship. Hashtag relationship goals is like that picture I saw of Serena Williams in bed with her baby. She's knocked out sleeping, and the baby went away. That's hashtag relationship goals. Because you know what? She out there taking care of her baby. That's real life. It's not glamorous. You know, she's not all done up in normal Serena fashion, but she out here taking care of her child. Like, that's the stuff that to me is really relationship goals because that's the real life of it all. That's what we really be doing out here. Like, the 24 hours of the day, the 23 of it looks like that. Only one hour of it looks like the glamour, to be honest. Yeah. I can't wait to get home and take off this bra and these shoes and clean this makeup off my face. That's my favorite time of day. And
1: put your feet up on the couch and get under that get snuggie. Get under that
0: snuggie. Get up! On, I'm under it right now. Yes,
1: you are.
0: I record every podcast under this snuggie. <laughs> Listen, you bought this snuggie, and that was the greatest gift you ever. I mean, you gave me three kids. You bought this house, and you
1: love me, and you all that stuff. But this is the best gift you ever gave me. I mean, I, I mean, that's. I think that's a really important thing to note too. Honestly, and we, it's <laughs> funny we didn't talk about this before, but. That Snuggie was a really, I mean, Snuggie. like people think about relationships like, oh, he gave me this diamond ring listen. or this tennis bracelet and we went on this big vacation and, and she brought me a card. It's like, listen, we don't have, we don't have we the money for none right right. of those things, No, but we do have the money to be very thoughtful and think about Absolutely. the needs and desires of each other. And that Snuggie, I said, listen. I know this is a you winner You got me gift. that
0: Snuggy. I think I cried. It, I think you did. <laughs> it was the Snuggie and the Dutch oven. I, to this day, I may never forget those gifts. I mean, I may never forget those gifts because that's just like in my heart bone.
1: Exactly. You meet your, your, your partner's needs and what really right speaks to them. That's relationship goals. That is relationship
0: but goals. But on the show, I did not like. I did oh, not Lord. like. I've never really liked Chris Spencer. I'm going to be oh, honest. Lord. I've never liked Chris Spencer. I've never liked that guy Wait, ever since. Wasn't it Magic Johnson show? Was that the show he was on? I don't
1: remember. I think Magic Johnson had a talk show, and that was like our first big introduction to Chris Spencer. I thought he he had, no,
0: didn't Chris Spencer have his own talk show for a while? Did he? I thought he did. I remember him from Don't Be a Minute to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood, and he was playing that, like, that Hotep brother who had, like, onks on and kente cloth, but then was dating the snow bunnies. Yeah. But then I was like, but he's doing this too well. There's there's a touch of reality this in this, this role. This, this is some is this some character acting? is this, this is a biopic? Um and the way he was talking to his wife Vanessa Rodriguez Spencer on the show on The Black Love Doc, it was just turning me off. I just and then when she was like, "Oh yeah, you know, after I had our baby, you know, he went and played golf every day and he made those comments about, "Yeah, you want to be, you know, you got to be a man's girlfriend, you know, you know, you get married and everything, but you still got to be their girlfriend." I was like, "Oh,
1: uh-huh uh-huh girl uh-huh. uh-huh. what for i just he said that i nearly fell out how do you go play golf every day for a month listen a month right after your child is born i tweeted
0: immediately i took that meme that big brother meme where she walks out the door and she high stepping yeah, i yeah. was like let my nigga go take a, a golf trip when i have a baby i would leave like this that quick <laughs> i would dance out the door he'd come home the house would be empty there'd be no baby there'd be no me he'd be he'd be single you don't, know, no, no. When you get married, you don't need a girlfriend. That's not what that is. You are not a girlfriend once you are a wife. Why, why do we continue to tell these heterosexual relationships, this idea that the man, the man gets into a marriage and he continues to be whatever he is. And then the girlfriend, woman, whatever, you know, is going to be a wife who has to stay a girlfriend. How, so what are you? What do what what's what are the rules for you, sir? Are you
1: a boyfriend? What I mean, we, you don't
0: have to take her on dates. You don't have to treat her. You don't have to treat her special.
1: But you know, we we've talked about this before. It's like it's really funny because it's like in the ideal of a marriage, right? A, a woman then somehow has to up her game, right? She has to do better. But somehow, just because a man is married. It's like, oh, you can relax now. Right,
0: he's got the he got all the prizes right. already.
1: You're over the hump now. Now, now you all you get is gifts. Right,
0: she married this dude. He was already trash from the way she was describing him. Had his kid. Then he thinks that she's still supposed to like have take care of the baby and then get done up and be ready for him when he gets home from golfing. What is this, the Flintstones? I just feel like what. What is this? What? What? what, I don't Mm -hmm. understand. And Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here looking at this, and you know, obviously, there's also the phenotypical issues with the fact that she was the like the one non-phenotypically non-black woman on the whole show. She was the only one who was phenotypically non-black. Yeah, she was. She's a Latina. And obviously there are Afro-Latinas, but I don't think that she's an Afro-Latina. I, I Googled it. I looked it up. And most of what I'm reading is describing her as Latina, but not Afro-Latina. So I'm going to go with it. If someone, you know, wants to correct me, that's fine. But what I'm reading is that she identifies as Latina. And she was the only phenotypically non-Afro-American, like, Afro-descendant-looking person on the show. And that, to me, all of that shit had meaning. And the way that they were describing their relationship, it just felt so patriarchal and condescending. Yeah. It felt like he was just kind of grimy. It felt like he was mad grimy. And I feel like I get it. Like, they have to show the fullness of, like, black relationships or whatever. But first of all, if she's not black, um, I don't know. Whatever. We'll talk about that another, <laughs> another time. That, that's another topic. <laughs> but, but also, I feel like that he over-talked her a lot. He interrupted her a lot. You know, a lot of what he was saying was, like, basically how she had to, he would say things like, oh, well, you know, I'm, <laughs> who doesn't want to kiss me on the first date? <laughs> I'm me. And I I was just like, oh, my God, do you see yourself? Because you really ain't fine or anything. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> On the scale of, like, Chris Spencer to, like, Martin Lawrence, you're still sp- Chris Spencer. So like and Martin Lawrence is not even like a super mega star.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get it when you're when you're in Hollywood, a lot of it is like really trying to boost yourself up and making yourself yourself kind of feel like you're, you're making Chris it, you're Spencer. Everything
0: most people don't know like, who you are we
1: we have imdb we can
0: i don't know i mean his imdb is probably hella long because he probably played like corner store junkie dude he probably played like <laughs> comedian at the comedian well, place
1: well i mean and that's the thing it's it's not even to say that he's not successful or that he hasn't no. done anything or no. he hasn't had a long career because he has he's he probably played friend in, in the car
0: number two yeah i mean
1: he's in a lot of stuff behind he probably the scenes. was he I mean,
0: probably was in booty call
1: He's probably been in all the movies. Well, I mean, and they're and they're an LA couple and I remember in the yeah. in the documentary she was saying that she didn't work anymore. Yeah. And so I'm sure I mean, he
0: has lots of more money clearly, than I have. Clearly
1: he got coins. He's oh, supporting yeah. a, a family in LA, which Absolutely. is not cheap by any No. Any No. Substantively, <laughs> sure.
0: But but listen, to be like that, to have that kind of attitude, I was like, mm. But, I was also thinking about the way Warren Campbell was talking to Erica.
1: I know that one that one I think is the the couple that shocked me the most.
0: I don't think it shocked me because he's after watching their show, I kind of feel like I got a vibe that he was kind of like that. Well,
1: I would that's not what really shocked me. What shocked me was them talking about the fact that there was like all type of infidelities and Breakup I think that they had
0: mentioned that on the show before, though, because I, feel, I, I think that like when I think that when her sister was going, when Tina was going through her situation, I think Tina made a dig at Erica. Like, don't act like you ain't been through some stuff, too. Mm. And then Erica was like, oh, well, you know how my life is set up.
1: <laughs> it's just it's interesting that I think up until now, that's kind of been like a very low key, like not something that they talk about very much, especially when you when you put, you know, Erica in comparison to her sister and how she is really now made that. In a lot of ways, a platform to say, right. "Yes, we have faced infidelity, and we've moved past it, and we are stronger because of it." It was kind of interesting to really hear them talk really at length about the fact that there was infidelity, and that right. you know, early on in their marriage, they had basically they were basically just living a separately apart. life. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was that really caught me off guard because right. in a lot of ways, they are one of those relationship goals relationship couples, goals. especially within the black church, to say, "Look at." Look at this. That's the thing
0: that gets you too, is that they're in the black church. That's the other layer there. And, And that's like that's where I'm like, we gotta stop this relationship goal stuff because these are folks who are associated with the tradition of Christianity as well. And they was going through that. And we know, listen, we know that the black church, that's where a lot of ill shit goes down. Yep. And a lot of it is covered up because of the fact that respectability politics and proximity to performance of whiteness and performance of goodness or whatever is is a way that we cope with white supremacy it's a way that we cope with moving throughout the world in in bodies that are are said to be less than and the black church kind of in some ways ushers that along right a lot of ways a lot of ways that young people are first introduced to the politics of respectability is through the church and through the bible And I'm saying this as somebody who's grown up in the black church, who can tell you right now how many books are in the Bible, who can recite, you know, whole verses and whole sections and whole stanzas and tell you who did what and who, which apostles said what and came from where and turned their name from one place to one thing and what the burning bush was about. I mean, I know all that stuff. And some of that stuff is really near and dear to my heart. And like, I will always have it with me. And I don't have any antagonism toward faith. But I do have antagonism toward the patriarchal ways that the black church and the practice of religion often teaches young people how to mimic and perform these systems of oppression against one another and how to internalize that shit. Exactly. And I feel like when I saw Warren and Erica and how he's sitting there talking about, you know, how he puts up with her ignorance, I was like, oh my gosh. How are we all sitting here with a straight face? And like looking at her face, I'm like, oh, I felt so bad for her. I felt so bad for her. She's sitting there with this man who cheated on her, who left her and had infidelities, who stepped out of their marriage and had indiscretions and got the nerve to talk about her ignorance.
1: Well, and I, I think that's the thing that that's really important to note, though, because like you were saying, it's how we internalize it. Because the other piece of that conversation that stuck out to me was she said that she had to take some of the blame for that mm-hmm. because she was out on the road working doing Mary Mary. <laughs> and I remember thinking, wait, so, so now you have to take some of the blame for your career, for being successful, for working hard and supporting your family? Because he wanted his wife. Because let's not act like he don't have a job where he's also successful, working very hard, working long hours. So he doesn't have to take any of the blame for being away from you, but you have to take the blame for being away from him.
0: Right, and it's because it's because, to be honest, a lot of cis heterosexual black men expect their wives to help raise
1: them. I, th- I think he said that didn't, to some degree. Didn't I think he, he did.
0: They expect they expect their their wives to be their moms. To help them cope with being alone and lonely. To help them understand themselves better. To help them work through their issues of amb- was, of, of ambivalence and, and abandonment.
1: That's what it was. That T- Tia and Corey had that where Tia really felt like she had to help Corey kind of get right. through some things. Right. That also happened with, with Megan Good and Devon Franklin. Absolutely. And I like them. I think they're a great couple. And Devon
0: I mean, Franklin went to USC, so he's, yes, you, know, you know, fellow
1: <laughs> alumnus. And so, we, yeah, we got to rip that. But, I mean, and, and they're a strong couple. They clearly love each other. They're gorgeous. And she's fine. I mean. As hell. And they are very deeply serious about their relationship and how important that is to them. And it was very interesting, though, when she was talking about when they first got married and how she wanted to make all the meals. Right. You know, kind of play that, that homemaker role. Right. Trying to really be a traditionalist. And then he kind of, he kind of threw a dig out at her to say oh at some point you know she got a role and all that just went right out the window and i remember thinking
0: (laughs) that made me mad i was like do you have a betty cracker cookbook do you have the internets cook for yourself and then she she tried like wait hold on hold on hold on hold on, wait 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 it didn't go because he really really kind of came he for tried her. to come for her but you i mean because he probably has that proverb 31 submissive wife idea where even if she's out making her own money got her own job doing her own thing somehow she's supposed to make sure that he's got food to eat and i'm like you're an adult person you are a grown-up you can feed yourself my friend my guy my g my dude. I mean feed yourself,
1: homie. And he works he, he works in the industry too. This is not someone, you know, who who I don't to my knowledge, they're not facing any money issues. It's like No, they're There paid. are other means. Plenty Listen. of means. Living in LA? Listen. There's nothing but means. Get to yourself find food. Buddy, get yourself a home chef. I think he said he was working at the at the Paramount lot. He was at Sony the, before. There's a there's a Roscoe's. Not but a couple <laughs> I magic you called out Roscoe's <laughs> Devon
0: Franklin. Hey. Eat Roscoe's every day. Listen. I would though.
1: Hey, when Roscoe's is close, listen. You should be complaining if about it. If I was
0: paid, listen, you better know I would be eating every bad thing. <laughs> you got vegan Roscoe's? They have vegan Roscoe's? Come on. Okay, I'm just saying. Stop playing. <laughs> My point is, is that I appreciated the black love doc, but there's just so many layers and I appreciated that they tried to show the fullness of, of black relationships. They tried to show like the complexity they did miss on the phenotypically same gender loving couples. They really should have had a same gender loving couple, not just a, a queer couple because you know, I am queer. Phenotypically people read us as heterosexual. People don't read my bisexuality into our relationship because you know, heteronormativity is a thing. And so people read us as heterosexual. They see our kids and they believe, you know, two cisgender people that are both heterosexual. And I, I agree, Miles Johnson was saying this on Twitter that they need to have some clearly same gender loving couples on Black Love Doc. And that's important because that is another another part of of black love that needs to be represented.
1: And and that honestly, and I think that's the thing about the show where when they didn't have that, obviously it was only four episodes, so they couldn't, you know, I think in a lot of ways it was very limited in what they showed. But the whole point, and I think this was even the tagline for the show, was to say, this is what black love looks like.
0: That's the thing.
1: And so when you make that type of a statement. You got to show all of it. Yeah, you're excluding a lot of ways that black love actually looks.
0: You got to show all of it. And I tweeted that out from our our That Be Okay Couple uh, Twitter account. And one of the show's uh, creators, Tommy Oliver, which is interesting because it's the same name as the Green Ranger. (laughs) (laughs) is that no
1: the old school old school green Ranger. that's for the old school
0: um he liked it so i'm like i hope that he actually takes that information and uses it for the next season i also thought one thing that was to me a little weird that they were not showing was that they didn't talk a lot about like social issues facing black people today for it to be a show that's supposed to be kind of intervening into relationships and showing the complexity of black love i'm like how y'all don't talk about black lives mattering and black lives matter and like social issues police violence and things like that that are happening in the world because that was like eerily absent from the entire conversation yeah i don't know how you're able to avoid that so well like it literally showed up at zero percent
1: at i mean as black people
0: we can't you think it would come up at least one time yeah i mean there was that one couple who like the guy had had some experiences with incarceration but they it was still framed as he had been participating in some type of drug activity that he participated in on his own volition and you know but it wasn't situated in any type of larger systemic framework there was no dialogue about that and i thought that was a miss but i did see you showed me that picture
1: yeah when i saw it i I had to share with you immediately yeah so like i said once once the show aired once it started to air it had great big huge ratings and so immediately own was like we need some more of this it's performing well for us And so they're actually working on more episodes right now. One of the people that they just interviewed, I think just this week actually, Mm -hmm. was the one and only Sean King. Yeah. And this is a complicated issue.
0: It's complicated.
1: It's a controversial issue.
0: So we'll have to see how it goes. But I hope, well.
1: I'll just say this. I'm intrigued to hear what comes out of that conversation. I am And, and And what the actual questions are being asked of that couple.
0: But I think what this shows is that relationship goals is not a thing because all these relationships are very complex and some of them have very, very ugly pasts and a lot of stuff happening beneath the surface that we just can't tell unless we actually are in it ourselves. Yeah. All right, so it's time for the conversation. Are you ready?
1: Oh, I stay ready.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) So I think the reason why we brought up the Black Love Doc in reference to our topic, which is the problem with relationship goals, is that the Black Love Doc was important because it showed how you can get, like, a fuller depiction of blackness and coupling, even if there were some clear gaps that we talked about, like not having visibly same-gender-loving couples like not dealing with the issues facing a lot of black folks today, like, you know, police violence, mass incarceration, issues like, you know, the 5 for 15, trans rights issues, things like that. But I also, I think that it touched on a lot of things that people don't like to talk about. It touched on masculinity. It talked about interracial coupling. It talked about families. It talked about indiscretions. It talked about a number of issues that are kind of taboo. And I appreciated that, right? So in reference to hashtag relationship goals, that document, the documentary was really about showing, like I always say, how the sausage is made. But there's something that I think that we never talk about in relationship conversations, specifically black relationship conversations, and that's the conversation around intimate partner violence. And I really wanted to bring that up in this relationship goals conversation because I think it's vitally important. Yeah. So so just to be clear, I want to make this clear at the outset. Black people do not own the field when it comes to intimate partner violence. Black people are not the only people who experience intimate partner, partner violence. We don't like commit intimate partner violence in some different way and some different rate than other racial groups. I want to say at the outset that this is not to imply that black men are some type of unique Uh, committers and perpetrators of intimate partner violence that have to be called out as separate from a system of misogyny or separate from a system of patriarchy. But what I do want to say is that we should have more conversations about intimate partner violence in the black community and in black heterosexual coupling because it's very critically important and it's not something that we really talk about that much. So I'm bringing up some stats, hardcore stats. This is not opinion so the cdc does you know tons of research obviously the cdc is is
1: center for disease control
0: i was gonna say but you caught me okay (laughs) so they have a report on intimate partner violence and it's talking about they really are focusing on heterosexual couples and they're finding that uh, intimate partner violence is one of the leading causes of death of homicide deaths for women but within that, they're saying that, just to quote the, the, the report, the report also found that Black and Indigenous women are slain in general at significantly higher rates than women of other races. Black women are killed at a rate of 4.4 per 100,000 people and Indigenous women at a rate of 4.3 per 100,000 people. Every other race has a homicide rate of between one and two, right? So basically, Black and Indigenous women have double or more the rates of other women, w- racial groups of women, when it comes to intimate partner violence, deaths by intimate partner violence. Yeah. And I, I I read this statistic, and I wanted to bring it up because it made me think of the story of jo- Joyce Kwewe. Yeah. A lot of people don't know her name. So I'm going to drop a link to the article I wrote on her um, in the show notes. But Joyce Kwewe was brutally beaten in front of her children by the father of her children and his friend. And she was like tied to a chair. They beat her to death. They also beat her post-mortem. And the reason why they beat her to death was because she would not submit. That's what they said. She would not submit. I keep thinking about this hashtag relationship goals thing and our issue issue with talking about violence in intimate relationships and how women of color, black and indigenous women in particular, have these extremely high rates in comparison to their non-black, non-indigenous peers of death by intimate partner violence. And I really wanna think about that. Like I wanna think about how we keep talking about the performance of relationship goals and what that looks like, like the veneer of relationship goals, but how it doesn't like line up with how we really think about the health and happiness of heterosexual cisgender black women in relationships with heterosexual cisgender black men. Yeah, And in the article, the CDC report, they were saying that, that they made it clear that they also did look at non heterosexual relationships, but that 98% of the deaths that they found were committed by uh, men. So they actually were looking at um, heterosexual and non-heterosexual groups, but the deaths that were committed were committed in, you know, heterosexual relationships. So I'm like, we're talking about hashtag relationship goals and the performance of relationships, but there's all these various kind of issues that arise beneath the surface of people's relationships that we don't want to talk about and don't want to address because all we're worried about is, is how cute somebody looks. Or if like everyone always tells me. Oh marriage looks good on you. I'm like what does that even mean? I don't
1: know what that means.
0: You look so good Mary. I've been married for like 12 years. So because I'm married right now. And I look good today. Is because I'm married?
1: And you like you looked bad before. Right. Or? It
0: was. It's not the gym. It's not these collard greens I be eating. Because these greens are popping. Mm. It's not, not. It's not the vitamins. Sleep. I think sleep looks good on me. But the way that we like romanticize marriage and the ways that we romanticize relationships, to me, is often very violent against the women in particular who are in them.
1: That's the thing I always say is like whenever we talk about relationship goals, it's it's you're you're selling a fantasy. But within that fantasy, people are kind of romanticizing and coming up with ideas for what what happens outside of that image, outside of that Instagram photo, outside of that, you know, that, that video they saw on Facebook, you know, what happens in the everyday life, what happened in the 10 minutes after what happens in the 10 minutes before. And people are, I think they dream up some, some beautiful story for how like every waking moment is this smiles and, and glory, but. As you just noted from your stats, I mean, there's a lot of terrible things that are happening inside these very intimate relationships. Right. And as you said, for some reason, we don't want to talk about that. For some reason, that's not something that that is trending on Twitter.
0: Right. I always think about Chris Brown and Rihanna and how they were hashtag relationship goals until it came out that he was like emotionally and physically abusing her for a number of months before we had actual like footage and pictures of the, those violent events and how just that quickly relationship goals was like oh no right it's like <laughs> how fragile hashtag relationship goals is because it's really it's it's such a facade that it only takes one kind of like one little tink in is it tink? tincture
1: uh are you talking about chink and armor chink it's there one chink
0: but i hate that word so i don't want to use it Um, But it only takes one little, like, shred of evidence against it in order for it to be eradicated. Right. And for me, it's like, then what's the point? Right? Then, Then is it really a goal if it's really predicated on such flimsy evidence? Right? If it's predicated on such flimsy understandings of what a relationship is? If you think that a relationship is pretty dresses and lipstick and drinking, like, fine wine and going out, like, what do you think people are doing when they're inside the house? Like, what do you think that they're doing in private, in their private
1: lives? Right. We, and we, we have evidence. We have stat to, stats to tell us what happens right. in some of these households. Right, in a lot of these households. And you just gave, like, you know, a little tiny bit right of what happens There are plenty of other stats to talk about all types of other things that go down within relationships about abuse and neglect and
0: all types of things. And the other thing in here that scared me, too, was that people often use, like, they also say, like, oh, you know, you have kids and people change and blah, 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 blah. But this article was saying that in 15% of the cases, it was people who had just had a child or who were pregnant. So in 15% of the cases when there was homicide by intimate partner violence it was either they had just had a baby or they were actually pregnant at the time that they pass on. So I'm like, 15% y'all? 15%? So now they're doing also doing more research to find out if there's a higher instance of like issues with intimate partner violence between the ages when you are more likely to give birth to children if there's like a higher concentration of that type of violence in those years, right? Because it, it, it would actually make sense in a way If those years ended up being the higher rates because of the fact that people are probably in more difficult life situations in those times of your your life, right? Right. Thinking about like middle to late high school into like ages 25 to 30, you're probably most economically disenfranchised. You probably have the most insecurity in terms of your finances and your educational background. Like those would be the times where you're going to have more likely on average a harder time getting a hold and control of your overall life so i would think that that would be correlated with higher instances of violence or exposure to issues like that you know it also makes me think about someone like karen smith i remember this story was a big deal because she was like a really normal woman she was like a school teacher and she married a pastor who had military experience, she was murdered in April. She had married him in January, and I think he turned up at her school and killed her and then, and then died by suicide, killed himself. And it was a big deal because everyone was like, oh, well, they seem perfectly normal, and everyone actually said that they were kind of relationship goals because they seemed so happy. I think he had posted on Facebook before murdering her.
1: Yeah, just like a couple days. Just a couple,
0: yeah, just a couple days or something before about how much he loved his wife and all these things. And then he ends up going and and killing her in front of children at a school, you know. And that's stuff like that. I'm like, we really, that's why I struggle with hashtag relationship goals. And I know people are going to say, oh, that's a leap. It's not a leap. It's not a leap because hashtag relationship goals romanticizes relationships that we are not in. Not only that, it puts pressure on people who are in relationships to perform for others. Just think if you're in a relationship with someone who is abusing you, physically, emotionally, you know, whatever it might be, and people are hashtag relationship goaling you, right? The pressure you have to stay with someone who is harmful towards you. That's where my issue lies. It's like, what are we doing when we hashtag relationship goals other people who
1: maybe they're not even their own relationship goals or or people that kind of aspire to be that and how they're like look this is relationship goals I'm doing it you know and the thing that always gets me with relationship goals is commonly when people use that type of hashtag or or tag it's about celebrities so I think where it really kind of falls apart with celebrities is you know we're holding up this beautiful image and then anything that kind of comes out against it it all falls apart the whole thing unravels Right, like you think about Will and Jada for a long time. You know, it was like Will and Jada. My gosh, that's relationship goals. They've been married for so long. They got all these kids. They got the career. They got everything. They fine, right? They fine. And the, the thing with Will and Jada that that gets me is, you know, they were there were such relationship goals. And then that, there was that one rumor I think that started where it was like, oh, they're swingers. They're swingers. It's like, oh no, wait, are they still relationship goals if they're swinging? And then it was like. They're breaking up. They're getting a divorce. Oh, no. Right. End of relationship goals. And as we all know, they're still married. They seem happy. They seem happy. We don't know if they're swingers. We don't know. And it ain't
0: none of our damn business. And that's
1: the thing is we're, we're discussing their relationship and calling them relationship goals. But none of us are in their relationship. Right. We don't know what their actual relationship is founded upon. Same thing with Jay-Z and Beyonce, right? Same yeah. thing. Oh my gosh, relationship goals. Look at these two powerhouses in the music industry. They're the best ever and they're so in love. And oh, look at Blue Ivy. She's slaying. Oh, so. But then Jay-Z comes up with 444 and we find out, oh wait, hold on. This hasn't been great. It hasn't been perfect. And it's, and it's not even like it was like one time that there was a mess up. Like, Jay-Z is on here saying how bad and messed up it's been since... They first started dating. And Basically, how he made all these mistakes and did all these. How wrong he's things always been tricks. trash, right? And it's like this. This is the problem with relationship goals: is we want to we want to say how great these relationships are, and we're not in the relationship, right? So there's no way for us to find to define if something is actually relationship goals, right? What we really need to be focused on is: is everyone happy? Is everyone healthy? Is everyone safe? Right.
0: It's really the safety that I think is most important. Whenever we talk about Beyonce and Jay-Z, I'm just like, wow, she was really enduring emotional abuse for so long. And emotional abuse, I'm telling you, it does some stuff to you. It really does. And
1: imagine, I mean, really doing that in a silo and having to go out every day. And, and smile. And put the face on.
0: Child. The, the, with the wall. If the walls could talk. Yeah. And the Knowles Carter home. <laughs> But I mean, that's the thing about hashtag relationship goals. It's just so unrealistic and it's so harmful. And it works both ways. It's harmful both to the people who use it because it gives an unrealistic impression of what relationships are like, right? It, it, it makes people aspire to something that isn't even real, to the performance of something that's a puff of smoke. And then the other direction, it puts un, undue burdens on people who are in relationships. Beyonce and Jay Z somehow are your relationship goals. And, and Beyonce, I hear, enduring emotional abuse. You know, Rihanna and Chris Brown were your relationship goals and she was out here enduring emotional and physical abuse. You know, a lot of folks that we talk about relationship goals, hashtag relationship goals, we find out they're enduring all types of physical, emotional abuse, you know, and financial abuse. People getting exported and stuff, you know, and then it, it puts pressure on people to get into relationships with people who are not even healthy. Who are not even taking care of themselves and who get into relationships for the wrong reasons. Yep, We have to stop this. Like, we really have to stop. And I think the answer is, like you said, are they safe? Are they healthy? Are they happy? That's why I always say people are like, oh, well, how do I know? Give me some relationship advice. And I'm like, listen, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. But, you know, as long as you're safe and you're healthy and everybody's happy and everybody has permission and consent, you know, you do you, bruh. You do you, because what I do in my relationship is not gonna work for you. And whatever worked for me, that's what worked for me. That's what this this relationship that I have is the relationship that works for me. And whatever works for you, works for you. And I'm not trying to fit your relationship and you shouldn't try to fit mine. Exactly. Like what you hear? You can find my mom and dad, aka that Black Couple on the web at thatblackcouple.com. You can find them on Facebook at thatblackcouple. And you can find them on Instagram and Twitter at thatblkcouple. If you have questions or comments about the show, email them at Couple at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. We're back.
1: Time to close things out with the reflection. Let's do it. So, for my reflection this week, talking about relationship goals, you know, when when we got together, it was not really a planned thing. Nope. We were friends. The best of friends. I didn't like you. <laughs> you can say that all you want. <laughs> but we were friends, and we had a great time together, and it turned romantic, and it became this great, wonderful thing in our lives. Yes. And so... When I think about relationship goals, you know, I think about trying to build just a great, happy relationship with someone.
0: Yeah,
1: we've had a lot of ups, we've had a lot of downs. That lot of was long. It's been a lot.
0: We've had more ups and downs.
1: I, we've had more ups and downs, but we people like to look at us and say, "Oh, y'all just y'all out here killing the game."
0: Everything you touch turns to gold. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we will not call out the person who. You know, I said you, that you, it. Day, you know who you are. You heard it. You know who you are. And we, I mean, and we have a lot of friends that are like, "Oh my gosh, I just want someone like you." I mean, I know mm. someone that says people have said this a lot to you. Were like, "I just want my own Darren." Can I? Just, where do I find a Darren? Listen,
0: listen. You wanted to do a Darren? You come try him <laughs> on and see how you still like him. You just come try him on. This nigga is just weird.
1: <laughs> but I think the whole point of what I'm saying, not to you know, dog me. I out love at all, you. But nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Not at all. We all have our shortcomings. And in our relationship, our relationship is not perfect. This is something that we are continually fighting for. Yep. We are fighting against a lot of forces. And we cultivate it every day. Every single day. And I think you you just said this. I, I don't wish our relationship on anybody. No. Because this relationship works really well for us. But that's, I, I don't, I don't think anyone else could really survive this.
0: I can't even get you to keep your mouth next to the microphone.
1: You know what? you know what? I'm trying my hardest here. <laughs> but that's that's it. Like, So we have a dialogue and a communication and we, we work through our differences and we make our thing work. Yes. But our thing would not work for it's anybody nobody else. Else's. It, it's a perfect fit for us. Right. And the problem with relationship goals is it's, it's almost like a lot of these relationship counselors always talk about, oh, you know, don't put together this whole binder full of, of of wants and needs for your for your future partner and all these rules that they have to meet. It's like, I feel like people are doing that the same. The, I feel like people are doing the same thing with relationship goals. without We're like right. saying, yeah, we're going to be out here like, looking like Jay-Z and Beyonce, killing it. He's going to have a business. I'm going to be do-. like, don't no. don't impose all of these rules and standards on what a relationship is or should be. Right. Just work on having a relationship that works for you because the relationship that you have that works out for you won't work for anybody and else. And start
0: off by having a good relationship with yourself.
1: Exactly. I mean,
0: I think about I think about my mother. My mother has been in abusive relationships before. I've never been in an abusive relationship. Um, I probably I've probably been in an emotionally abusive relationship and I've probably been emotionally abusive. You know, and I, I, I'm not sure how I can assess it at this point, but I'm sure it's happened. But I think my mother is someone where I first learned about physical abuse. I learned about how the women in my family have dealt with physical abuse. It was like a constant learning about that growing up. And I remember in high school hearing about, you know, there was one couple. I remember like everyone knew about this one couple in high school who, you know, the guy was very physically abusive. And she would come to school with black eyes. She would come to school with like her wrists, you know, sprained or broken. And then one time she came to school and she was pregnant. And we were all just like, wow. And I remember how we kind of normalized all of this stuff. And we didn't really talk about it. But in some ways, there were still girls who said that they were relationship goals. And I remember that after they broke up, after she had the baby, there were some of my friends still dated that guy. You know? Mm. And I really still to this day, like one of my good friends dated him. And I remember asking her, like, why Why would you date him? You know what he did to, you know, I'll call her D. And my friend Jay was like, well, he's fine. And like, you know, I'm just like, really, <laughs> really, you know, really? And oh, well, he takes me out and all this stuff. And and it just hit me that, you know, it really was one of those things where she had and like a, a lot of us have, you know, internalized a lot of messages about how, you know, we our relationships to our own bodies and what we're willing to withstand and what we're willing to risk, you know, and how we're willing to kind of sit by and watch things happen to, black women in particular, and how in some cases we think it's just okay, where it's okay, you know, and that's what I want to get at with this episode is just thinking about the ways that we can challenge that the ways that we can challenge, you know, hashtag relationship goals, especially when we're talking about heterosexual relationships, and start prioritizing the, the heterosexual black women who are in them, you know, start thinking about how that feels to them, and what they could be enduring when we're hashtagging them.
1: Yeah, it's very it's very easy to, to capture, you know, a night out or a great meal right. or, you know, a kiss on the cheek. It's very easy to capture that in a photo and, and you know, quickly put hashtag relationship goals. Right. But it's, it's very, very difficult to capture the, the concepts that we're talking about in like a photo or a short video. Absolutely. Of what actually builds a strong relationship. Right. That's where people are healthy, happy and safe. I agree. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed what you just heard, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ThatBLKCouple, on Facebook at ThatBlackCouple, and look us up on the internet at www.ThatBlackCouple.com. You can stream episodes on Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You have to rate us high or we're going to have some problems.
0: Okay, bye!